is not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. You know, I swear to you, my plan is always, the podcast comes out Monday morning. And I think to myself, okay, as I'm watching Raw, I'm kind of taking my little notes going, oh, okay, there's plenty here on Raw. Probably do a lot of Raw talk on Thursday, not Sam Thursday this week. And then Wednesday rolls around and it's like, ah, that Finn Balor promo. Oh, War Games. Oh, we got to talk about that. Okay, we'll probably do a lot of uh, NXT and Wednesday night AEW talk. Like, we'll probably do a lot of that on the podcast. And then, because I'm thinking like, look, normally... No offense or anything, but not that much happens on these international pay-per-views. You know, oh, geez, that was abrupt. I'm sorry about that. More often than not, on the international pay-per-views, it's like these shows that have uh, huge cards and a lot of build-up, but then at the end of the day, they're kind of a one-night-only type of show, and we can go about the rest of our business. They're not usually, they don't usually feel like one of the pay-per-views. They don't usually feel like a chapter in a story, right? In the same story that we're reading. Crown Jewel was very, very different than all that. There was a lot to take away from. I mean, usually with these, uh, with the international pay-per-views, they're really fun to watch live because they're on in the middle of the day and it's not a time when, you know, when usually uh, you got wrestling on. Now, those times of the day and hours where wrestling is not on are becoming fewer and fewer and further and further in between. But still, weekday afternoons, you're usually free and clear. So it's really fun on a Thursday afternoon, on a Friday afternoon, whenever it happens, to watch one of these international pay-per-views. And imagine, you know, it's always the big stars. and It's a big spectacle and there's pyro everywhere and the whole thing. But more often than not, it doesn't. Uh, necessarily do that much, right? It doesn't. It doesn't like go anywhere. Crown Jewel. I mean, it went somewhere. Crown Jewel went further than most standard WWE pay per views went. So let's talk about what we need to talk about. You know, we can talk about. We can argue about from a bigger perspective what the most important thing on the show is. And if you're talking about the, you know, the the the, the big perspective. Clearly, it's Natty and Lacey Evans. Look, uh, I woke up. I wake up at four forty every morning for my radio show, and I woke up at four forty on Wednesday morning. And the uh, the uh, uh, Saudi press conference was still happening that aired live on the WWE Network at four a.m. on Wednesday, East Coast time in in America. Um, and I was like, "Oh, cool!" And I turned it on, and that's when the announcement was made, just twenty four hours before the show that there would be a women's match, it would be Lacey Evans versus Natalia, um, and it would happen, it would be the first time that that's ever going to happen in Saudi Arabia, and, and what a big deal it was, and quite frankly, ever since uh, the WWE relationship with Saudi Arabia started, this was a clear and vocalized goal on the WWE's part. Now, you know, of course, you know, and I think it goes without saying that a lot of people start talking about, well, you know, that doesn't undo in the years and, 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 the, and the civil rights. And, the, like, I don't think that anybody's looking at this match going like, okay, it looks like all the problems of the world have been solved. 
But the point is, it's clearly and inarguably a huge positive step in the right direction. So first and foremost, let's just leave it there, that it is this great step in the right direction. And you could feel that when you were watching the show. You could feel that in the building that for the the, the vast, vast majority of fans were behind Natalia and Lacey Evans, that the vast majority of the fans were the ones vocally chanting, this is awesome, as that match happened. You know, and it's not lost on people what a big deal it was. I was driving to work just this morning, Thursday morning. I'm driving into the city, and I've got 1010 Wins, which is the big New York news radio station on. And, you know, they don't cover wrestling. They don't cover WWE. Never. And I'm driving in, and they go, you know, uh, this afternoon in Saudi Arabia, the WWE will be putting on the first ever women's match as part of their pay-per-view. Star, it's Natalia and Lacey Evans, and they're giving the names, and they're doing this whole thing on this news channel. And I'm like, this really is. This isn't a story that is confined to the wrestling world. This is so much bigger than that. And you saw, and yes, you know, you saw Lacey and Natalia, and clearly uh, they were understated in their presentation. Uh, they're clearly their outfits are completely different. They're, you know, uh, uh, covered head to toe. They have the baggy t-shirt on top. Like, you know, it is what it is, but to watch this match happen and you could see it on Natalia's face and you could see it on Lacey Evans face and look, you could hear, you know, when Michael Cole and Corey Graves are being legitimate, you know what I mean? Like you could just feel that the audience realized they were seeing progress. And the, and the Corey Graves and Michael Cole realized they were part of something special. And Natalia and Lacey Evans realized that they just made history that goes beyond wrestling. And they had done it, and they were successful, and it was a good match, and it was something that the audience wanted to see. And I just think that that's such a great thing. And, you know, who would have thought? Yeah, Natalia has done so much in the women's division that she really doesn't get credit for. You know, when they talk about the women's evolution, they talk, uh, the first step in that is the four horsewomen of NXT. Generally speaking, that's what we look at. We look at Charlotte and Becky and Bailey and Sasha. And one of the first big matches that you bring up is usually like Sasha versus Bailey at TakeOver Brooklyn 1, which is fair. That match like blew my mind. But... I don't think it's brought up enough that it was Natalia and Charlotte having a match at the first NXT WWE Network special. I don't even know if they were called Takeover at that time. They might have been, but it was it was that match that really got people talking. It was that match that kicked off the whole idea of the women's uh, revolution and evolution becoming a thing. You know, uh, and and Natalia has been this hugely important part every single step of the way and really doesn't get talked about except maybe in the second breath. And I think that there's always something about that that hasn't been entirely fair. Um, So to see this happen and to see Natalia be put in the position that she was in, uh, I thought was great. And, you know, Lacey Evans was great too. We are scheduled to talk to Lacey Evans. So I would love to talk to her about, you know, how she found out when she found out, you know, why she thinks that she was the one chosen and all that stuff. Um, so, you know, just so much to break down there. But such a really, really 
positive thing. And that's nice because a lot of these shows, you know, people have their opinions about them. So to turn around and be like, look, you can be cynical. You can say whatever you want to say. But at the end of the day, is this not great? And anybody that says it's not great is like so beyond negative that it's like I don't even know. Like there's no use to have a conversation with him. There is no doing good at that point. So congratulations to everybody involved. Congratulations to Lacey and Natalia and WWE and the people of the citizens of Saudi Arabia and and everyone really. I just think that that, you know, such a good use of the time that's being spent over there. Such a good use um, globally. And now for us wrestling fans, the best possible use of the WWE's time in Saudi Arabia would absolutely have to be Bray Wyatt, the Fiend, finally becoming the Universal Champion. You guys know I've been advocating for this since Hell in a Cell. Scoops Roberts was on the case. My insiders were talking to me about it. My inside sources, hack wrestling journalist, the last professional broadcaster, Sam Scoops Roberts. We were all over this from the jump, from Jump Street, as a matter of fact. I 100% believe that Bray Wyatt should have won that title at Hell in a Cell. Regardless, Halloween... Could there possibly be a more fitting day to win that Universal Championship for The Fiend than on Halloween? You know, and I think we need to keep going with this. I don't think Seth Rollins needs to make a strong comeback right away. As I've said, I'm a big proponent of Seth Rollins being lost and needing to find his way back to the top. You know, I think that's a journey that we all need to go on with him. Uh, but The Fiend is the Universal Champion, should be the Universal Champion. When you have in a, in a position like this, and you've literally built this wrestling character who is a horror movie monster. I mean, anybody that watches horror movies can see that The Fiend is basically Michael Myers. That, for all intents and purposes, you know, when you talk about horror movie uh, monsters, right? You talk about Freddy Krueger, okay? This is... Freddy Krueger is a is a uh, 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 pedophile who was burned to death, and his spirit came back to haunt children in their dreams. Right, so that's a spirit. That's not somebody in a physical form. Jason Voorhees is uh, a kid who was picked on at summer camp and drowned in a lake while counselors were off being intimate with each other, um, and via supernatural powers. He has come back uh, in a zombie-like form to seek his revenge, uh, not only for the counselors, but against the people who, spoiler alert, in the first movie, killed his mother. Uh, So that, again, that's a supernatural thing. That's not something that's really all that tangible, right? Uh, What other horror movies do you have? You got Leatherface, who's really just kind of like an, uh, an inbred... Big, strong brute, okay? That's different. You have uh, uh, the ghost face from Scream, who is Skeet Ulrich, you know? And Skeet Ulrich is not going to win the Universal Championship at any point. Um, Although, the cop that hunted him did at one point win the WCW Championship. Officer Dewey, David Arquette. But the movie monster that The Fiend is clearly based on is Michael Myers. Michael Myers, as a child killed his sister, and then came back, 
depending on the narrative that you're following, came back to hunt Laurie Strode. Some narratives say that's his sister. The new narrative, his other sister, not the sister that he killed, obviously. The new narrative is that that was never his sister. That was just an urban legend that was created during the sequel of Halloween in the 70s that never actually happened because the sequel to Halloween is actually the remake that came out last year to be followed by, I think, three more sequels to that one, if that makes sense. But I digress because we're talking about Michael Myers. Michael Myers is a guy who killed his sister as a child, um, went to uh, a mental institution and escaped only to wreak havoc. He is not purportedly supernatural. He is not a zombie. He is unexplainable. But for some reason, whether it's uh, uh, his his uh, his desire for for his whether it's his bloodlust, whether it's his uh, desire for some type of vengeance, whatever it is, something in Michael Myers has created this being that you can blow him up, you can shoot him, you can hit him with a car, you can throw him out a window. He looks dead, and all of a sudden, he's not dead. He sits up, and he's back, and you haven't done a thing. And this is exactly what we saw at Hell in a Cell. This is why I got excited at the character arc that we saw built at Hell in a Cell. Prior to Hell in a Cell, we really hadn't seen the Fiend take any damage, so we didn't know how we would react to that. At Hell in a Cell, we saw that the Fiend reacts to damage and then sits right up from it. Not like The Undertaker. The Undertaker isn't really Michael Myers. The Undertaker is Undertaker is a zombie. Undertaker is more like Jason Voorhees, I think. The Fiend is, for all intents and purposes, a human being. But there is something that is possessing that human being that makes him hellspawn, makes him something beyond what we can explain. And we can see The Fiend, you know? We know Michael Myers' history. We know The Fiend's history. That's what's so great about The Fiend, is that the Bray Wyatt that we see hosting the kids' TV show is the same Bray Wyatt that came in with the Wyatt family. There's references to it. It's the same Bray Wyatt that was singing uh, This Little Light of Mine and that was hunting down John Cena and that had the match with, with Daniel Bryan. This is the same character. And somehow that character has been twisted and becomes The Fiend. But the reason The Fiend works so well is because you still have Bray Wyatt. And we've never seen anything like that where, where Bray Wyatt can actually be the mouthpiece for his own character, The Fiend. The Fiend doesn't talk, but he's got his own Paul Heyman, and that's Bray Wyatt, even though the same man is playing both characters. It's phenomenal. It's incredible. It's original. It's something from another planet, and it just plain and simple works. And even the ridiculous Michael Myers stuff just plain and simple works. But when you introduce a character who all the fans want to see in the main event, they are buying tickets to see The Fiend, and you put him in a championship match, it does not make sense for him to not win the title. When this character was first introduced, you go, well, he can't be the champion, it would ruin his mystique, and at some point he's got to lose. That's thrown out the window when we saw his fighting style at Hell in a Cell. This movie villain has to win... 
until you have a hero that you actually want to see. We don't have a final girl, folks. You know what a final girl is? A final girl is that heroine at the end of the movie who finally sticks the knife in the bad guy and walks out. Laurie Strode was a final girl. We don't have a final girl. Seth Rollins is not a final girl. Nobody wants to see Seth Rollins kill The Fiend. Saudi Arabia didn't want to see Seth Rollins kill The Fiend. I loved hearing the crowd in Saudi Arabia. And it, and it really brings home the fact that at the end of the day, these shows that the WWE are doing are for the Saudi Arabian fans who are getting this great show. I mean, the fact that we're sitting there and in Riyadh, they're chanting for Luke Harper. These are smart marks, okay? Who's chanting for Luke Harper? The dorks like us on the internet. That's who. And Saudi Arabia is doing it. They're booing Seth Rollins. They're cheering The Fiend. They're right. They're, this is awesome to the Lacey Evans-Natalia match. This isn't some other society somewhere else. These are our people. The, 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 the people in Riyadh that were at that show, it's just they're the same as us. They're our people. It's so cool to see that happen with wrestling fans. But so we finally saw it. The Fiend hits that sister Abigail. He goes through fire and tables and chairs and anything Seth Rollins can throw at him. By the way, the Fiend character, not toned down even slightly, loved it. I personally could do, I, I could do without the red light, but there was something about this match that the red light was growing on me. I didn't like it at all at Hell in a Cell. Something about it for me worked, and I'm kind of willing to give it more of a chance. It also makes it seem a lot more special when you get that closing shot of him. Like, when all you see is the Fiend in red, it makes it so when those spotlights flash on him and you see the white light on him and you can actually see the detail of what the Fiend truly looks like, it makes that feel even more special. So there is some merit to the red light. Um, and like I said, as this match went on at Crown Jewel, I actually kind of enjoyed it. Uh, I, I thought it... I fell into the story a little bit more. Um, I hoped that The Fiend would win the title. I didn't necessarily expect him to win the title. When he did win the title, I, like everybody that was there in Riyadh, like everybody that I saw on social media, celebrated. Well, not like everybody. There's always some douchebag that's like, no, this character sucks. You suck. Go watch something else, bro. I don't know what to tell you. Um, and I'm so happy it happened. So now the question is, uh, hey, man. How's your Universal Champion going to be on SmackDown? This doesn't make any sense. What's going to happen? Oh, I know. Bray Wyatt is on SmackDown, and The Fiend is on Raw, and it's two separate. No. Well, I know. Maybe uh, Bray Wyatt's on SmackDown, but The Fiend just goes wherever The Fiend goes because The Fiend is separate. No. 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 That doesn't make any sense. That's dumb. It, it completely convolutes what we're working on with The Fiend. Here's the answer. What's the next pay-per-view? Survivor Series. The brands are competing at the next pay-per-view. I was having this conversation. So on Patreon, I signed on during Crown Jewel. And uh, and I did uh, a watch-along for about an hour of the show with a bunch of the Not Samsonites and the Not Sam Shills on Patreon. Uh, and uh, I was saying that clearly... Brock Lesnar's next uh, rivalry is going to be with Rey Mysterio. You know, that that I would think that based on, on what happened to Cain Velasquez, that 
he will be back wrestling. We heard him on Monday's podcast or yeah, that was this Monday. We heard him on Monday's podcast. The video, by the way, is up on YouTube. Um, and and please go to my Twitter account and find the link to that Cain Velasquez Rey Mysterio YouTube video because I am building a new YouTube channel and I need all of you to subscribe to it. I'm building a new YouTube channel that is just not Sam Wrestling. All of my wrestling content, this podcast, all the interviews that we do, everything will eventually be exclusively available at the new YouTube channel that I literally put together this week. The videos that are up there have like 10 hits on them or something like that. Nothing. It's it's buried in the YouTube uh, sphere. Nobody's clicked on anything because it's brand, brand new. It's three days old. So go find the Rey Mysterio Cain Velasquez interview on YouTube. I tweeted the link out a couple times. I put it on Instagram. If you go to my Instagram account, there's a link in my bio to the YouTube video. Subscribe to that YouTube channel. Do me the biggest favor if you would. Hey, if I could interrupt myself for a second, and trust me, I can. You know who's always had my back? You know who's always had our back here at the show? Is SeatGeek. SeatGeek has always had our back, and they always have your back. You know, there's millions of live event tickets out there. Sports, live music, comedy, more. And there's millions of places to get these tickets on the internet. You never know if you're getting authentic tickets. You never know if you're getting the best deal. If you're even getting a good deal, guess what, SeatGeek? They have the tickets that you're looking for, and they're all in one place. It even rates deals on a scale of 1 to 10. Displays them on an interactive seat map. Green dots, good deals. Red dots, overpriced. You know what that means? You're going to know exactly where you're sitting, and you're going to know exactly how much you paid for your ticket compared to the guy next to you, okay? Maybe you overpaid, but at least you're going to know because you bought a red dot. Maybe you got an amazing deal and you can brag about it. And people go, oh, how do you know you got such an amazing deal? And you can go, green dot, stupid. I got a great deal. And every purchase, fully guaranteed. You can shop with confidence. It's no wonder SeatGeek has over 50,000 five-star reviews. Look, I got the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's the easiest thing in the world. You can put your zip code in. It'll tell you everything that's happening around you. You could put in the, the type of event that you want to see, the musical artist. You could write WWE. It'll give you WWE's calendar. It'll show you every event. It'll show you every building. It'll show you what the building looks like, what the layout is, where you want to sit. You pick it. It makes the experience so much more enjoyable. It takes all the stress out of it. Just enjoy going to live events. SeatGeek makes it possible. And not only are they going to make sure you get the best deal possible with the green dots, but they're going to make the red dots even more affordable or the green dots an even better deal by giving you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. That's right. All you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today. Be like me and use promo code SAM, S-A-M, for $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code SAM, S-A-M, for $10 off your first purchase on the SeatGeek app. I'm doing it, and I go, well, clearly, they go, well, what's the next? Who's, who's Brock Lesnar going to face next? And I go, well, he beat up Cain Velasquez after the match. Um, You know, and it was really, that was a bit of a head-scratcher, because, you know, maybe Cain's just not ready, but Cain didn't, Cain did more, I felt like, at AAA than he did at Crown Jewel. But regardless... Um, he beat up Cain Velasquez after the match. Rey Mysterio and him had a confrontation, and it ended with the quintessential Brock Lesnar looking into the ring like, oh, I hope you don't think you bested me, and Rey Mysterio looking at him going like, you know, you're going to pay, and that's what he was saying in Spanish. So I think clearly uh, it's Rey Mysterio versus Brock Lesnar is what's happening next. 
And I think that that match happens at SummerSlam. I mean, at Survivor Series. And you go, well, Rey Mysterio's on Raw. Brock Lesnar's on on SmackDown. Yeah, who cares? The, uh, the brands are competing against each other. And we find out at Crown Jewel, another thing we found out at Crown Jewel for the first time ever, it's Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT, which is wild, and we'll get into it, because TakeOver War Games is happening that weekend as well. So NXT is just going to be everywhere that weekend. Um, but I would think that that's how you would get away with it. You would do Rey Mysterio versus Brock Lesnar, Raw versus SmackDown, WWE Championship is on the line. Now, and then at the same time, you could do a rematch with Seth Rollins and The Fiend, Universal Championship is on the line. Again, cross brands. Just between now and, and uh, Survivor Series, the Universal Championship is not on Raw, which will be fine because Brock Lesnar is not on SmackDown half the time. So you have one champion. He just happens to be on SmackDown instead of Raw. It's very doable for the next month until Survivor Series, less than a month. So I don't have, I think that that's not an issue whatsoever. And I think it leads to all kinds of interesting possibilities because I think that the either you're going to combine the Universal Championship and the WWE Championship with a Brock Lesnar versus The Fiend match. Although, I, I mean, I don't think it's time just yet. I think that we will get to Brock Lesnar versus The Fiend, but I think that may be your Royal Rumble match. Or, who knows? I mean, they may have enough faith in The Fiend that they're kind of seeing where it lands, and maybe, maybe The Fiend versus Brock Lesnar goes to WrestleMania. Because let me tell you something else. The Fiend is a good guy. You don't have a villain in The Fiend. You've got somebody that people are going to cheer. So don't fight upstream with that. I think you try to save it. If I'm WWE, I try to save it and I try to build. And eventually, when I get to WrestleMania, I'm doing The Fiend versus Brock Lesnar. Because what happens there? You know, I, I have The Fiend keep the Universal title from now until WrestleMania pretty easily, just squashing everybody. WrestleMania is where I get the Brock Lesnar match. Um, And who knows, you know? I mean, maybe you do... Maybe Rey Mysterio beats Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship and brings the championship to Raw. Maybe you do some kind of triple threat... Where it's Brock Lesnar versus Rey Mysterio versus another guy from Raw. Could be Randy Orton. Randy Orton pins Rey Mysterio. He gets the WWE Championship. That way the WWE Championship goes to Raw. Brock Lesnar never got beat. And you got a rivalry between Rey and Randy now instead of Rey and Brock. There's a million ways you could do it. But the point is that it doesn't kill your brand that you have... Brock Lesnar and Rey Mysterio in this rivalry, and you now have the Universal title and the WWE title on SmackDown because you're three weeks away from Survivor Series where you've already promised you're having interbrand matches. That's the gimmick of Survivor Series. We're going back to that gimmick. Uh, it's going to allow us to kind of smooth out all the knots. I think that there is no bad news when it comes to The Fiend being the Universal Champion, and I hope he keeps it for a very long time. Because it's been a very long time since there was a character that compelling on WWE TV. A very long time. That's a character that I would get somebody who doesn't watch and check this out. 
the entrance, the whole thing, it's amazing. And the fact that he only wrestles when it really, really counts, the fact that he never wrestles on TV, which is something, if you go back to SummerSlam, when he had his first match with Finn Balor, I said, never let The Fiend wrestle on television. Only pay-per-view ever, ever, ever. I mean, this guy, when Bray Wyatt first came out, I said, I love that character, and you do this character right, you've got somebody on the level of The Undertaker in your hands. Bro, you've got something brand new. you got something I don't even want to compare to The Undertaker. you got something on a whole nother level. And you have something that if you take it to WrestleMania and you have Fiend versus Brock, I want The Fiend to win. You have Fiend versus Taker, I want The Fiend to retire The Undertaker forever. And I don't want The Undertaker to retire ever. There's just a lot you could do with it, man. There's a lot you could do with it. And... I mean, let's say The Fiend is the universal champion. That title exists on SmackDown. What happens when Roman Reigns is finally ready to get that championship? At the end of the day, look, you have the opportunity to build Roman Reigns to the moon, have Roman turn to The Fiend, say, I'm ready, I want the universal title from you, and have The Fiend beat Roman Reigns. I mean, we usually don't get the potential to do cool stuff like this. You know what I mean? It's just awesome, man. It's just really, really awesome. Uh, other little notes from uh, Crown Jewel. Big night for the club, which I did not see happening. I thought AJ Styles would uh, retain uh, Umberto Carrillo winning the Battle Royal. I originally said that I thought it was going to be Kevin Owens. He wasn't even in the Battle Royal, though. So Umberto was the right pick, I think. Uh, great showcase for Umberto. And, you know, not a surprise that AJ Styles kept the uh, United States championship. By the way, going to be a great Raw for AJ Styles. AJ Styles, the United States championship. The club has that best tag team in the world trophy that they can take everywhere. That was the shock. The club gets a clean pinfall victory after beating the New Day over the Viking Raiders. Wins that cup. So now they're going to feel entitled to the tag team championship of Raw. And Raw doesn't have a world champion. The WWE champion and the Universal champion are both on SmackDown. So who is the top singles champion on Raw? And who's going to remind you of that every show? The phenomenal one, AJ Styles. It's going to be great. Uh, And it was a great night for Mansoor too, man. I mean, clearly we, you know... He was given this opportunity because he got to perform in front of his hometown crowd. His hometown crowd uh, made it worthwhile because, boy, did they react. Boy, did they love Mansoor. And I thought I thought Mansoor won over a lot of people tonight. I thought that, you know, his facial expressions were great. I thought he carried himself great. I thought he came across like a giant, giant, giant star. I thought it was a real good night to be Mansoor. Um, so we got into Survivor Series a little bit that uh, it was news when the Survivor Series commercial aired on Crown Jewel, that it was going to be w- it was going to be Raw, SmackDown, and NXT for the first time. All three competing for brand supremacy. Now, on NXT, there were no allusions made to that whatsoever, but there were allusions made to the weekend, which is uh, 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 NXT TakeOver War Games. Um... And we found out apparently there's going to be two War Games matches. I'm not so high on there being two War Games matches, to tell you the truth. I like the first one, so I'm sitting there watching, right? And I've been saying for weeks, Scoops Roberts over here. 
that NXT has the best women's division in all of wrestling. WWE, AEW, over in Japan, anywhere. Independence, Impact, wherever. And Impact's got Tessa Blanchard. And AEW's got Britt Baker. And there's a lot of talent out there. But nobody's got the full roster. And I mean, I don't have to tell you what Raw and SmackDown have. Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks and Charlotte. There is no full roster like the NXT women's roster. Um, and uh, I, I'm watching all the women fighting with each other on NXT. And I'm looking at the way they're separating. And right before William Regal comes out, Scoops had it down. I should have tweeted it. I go... And again, I think I'm not the only one because the crowd was literally chanting war games, but I'll still give myself credit for being so just a, a great, I'm a great wrestling mind. The thing about me, Sam Roberts, is I'm a great wrestling mind. But I'm going like, oh my God, they're going to do a female war games match here. And lo and behold, Scoops had it first again. Um, it was reported on CBS Sports. Uh, it'll be a first-of-its-kind match. It'll feature teams captained by two of the most fearsome women in all of professional wrestling, NXT Women's Champion Shayna Baszler and former NXT UK Women's Champion Rhea Ripley. While the teams are not official for the event, uh, it's only fair to assume uh, that uh, it'll be uh, Ripley uh, with Candice LeRae, Tegan Knox, Dakota Kai against Baszler and her fellow uh, horsewomen as well as Bianca Belair and Io Shirai. That would leave five-on-four match, but a promo was aired earlier in the show. Mia Yim could even out the sides. You know, I, I guess it's official that it'll be two teams. They've done War Games matches before where it's three teams. I kind of thought it would break down to three teams, where it would be... Uh, I, I kind of thought it would be uh, Rhea Ripley, Tegan Knox, Dakota Kai, and then it would be Marina Shafir, Jessamyn Duke, and Shayna Baszler... And then it would be Candice LeRae, Bianca Belair, and Io Shirai. Which, again, would make absolutely no sense since Io Shirai is a heel. Bianca Belair is kind of a tweener. And Candice LeRae is like, you know, the, the most goodest, goodest guy of all time. So it probably makes more sense to have these bigger teams. But either way, I mean, I, Io Shirai did... Like, everybody wants a shot at Shayna Baszler. Shayna's only two friends are Jessamyn Duke and Marina Shafir. So... It'll still be weird if, to me, if Io Shirai and Bianca Belair are teamed with Baszler, especially Bianca Belair, because, I don't know, she got so mad at me because I said she wasn't ready to be on TakeOver in a title match, and now she's teaming with the person that she wants to be facing. It's dumb. But, same goes for Io Shirai, by the way, who, like, Io Shirai is, like, one of my favorite wrestlers in NXT. Doesn't make any sense. However, there's only so many spots in the War Games match, so be it. Uh, I guess it'll be good guys versus bad guys, and that works for me. I'm really looking forward to it. I think that it'll be the match that steals the show for sure. I have no doubt in my mind. Now, I was going like, this is going to be really cool because now you can still defend the title. See, the problem with having a men's war games match is that the only way to really do it is to have the Undisputed Era on one, on one side. It's a four-person faction, and it only makes sense. Um, and it looks like that's what they're going to do because Tommaso Ciampa said, you know, Goldie's going to have to wait because I'm going to war. And so right there you go, oh, they're doing a men's war games match too. Again, I don't know if putting two war games matches on the same show is a thing that you want to do, but uh, it seems like that's what they're doing. And I really and truly think that in order for it to fully make sense, I mean, you're looking at what? The Undisputed Era versus 
I guess Tommaso Ciampa, Matt Riddle, Keith Lee, and if Velveteen Dream is back, maybe Velveteen. If not, I don't know who you put in there as the fourth goody. Because I think you're also looking at doing a Finn Balor Johnny Gargano match. I think that, you know, the fact that Finn Balor called him out. By the way, Finn Balor's promo was masterful. Finn Balor's promo might have been the best promo of the week that he did on NXT. Because it was real. You put a, you want me to lay down for a guy that you put a mask on and you say he's the best, you know, a hottest thing in wrestling? When he called out the locker room, there's too many fans in the locker room. He's not talking about fans that snuck back there. He's talking about the wrestlers. Loved it. Loved it. And also, you know what's fun about that? I know that he actually does kind of feel that way. So <laughs> I think it's awesome. Um, and I think that you are getting a lot more of Finn Balor in that than in the guy that's kind of like smiling about everything. Uh, it was perfect. It was perfect. The interviews that he's done since then with people, you know, he, he stays in that character, which I think is a lot of him. And I just, I, he's awesome. Awesome. This is what I've been waiting for with Finn Balor. This is why I've been just so hard on Finn Balor on the kickoff shows. Because I'm like, dude, this guy can be awesome. And he was stinking on the main roster. Because he wasn't, I mean, he was a shell of himself. Now, he's come out of his shell. Now he's him. And it's it's so great, dude. The promo was just amazing. Um, I think the the, the what you, one thing that you really have to do, and then, because you, you look at it now, okay, so if the Undisputed Era are in a war games match with four good guys, and then you've got five-on-five five women's war game, and then you got Finn Balor versus Gargano, I mean, I still think you need two more singles matches just to round out the card. You know, I guess you would do, uh, you could do, a, a rematch between Pete Dunne and Damian Archer, unless they're going to do that on TV. But you definitely got Pete Dunne. In, well, no, you probably do Pete Dunne versus Killian Dane. So I, I, I would imagine you'll do Pete Dunne versus Killian Dane, and then I would say give Damian Archer an opportunity for a, for a singles match as well on that show, and that might be your show. Look, I think something that you really need to do on that show is. Uh, put the titles on the line in the War Games match. This is what I said when I first was talking about War Games, that uh, what I, I think they really need to do is make it so that if any member of the Undisputed Era has a decision made on them, whatever, submission or pinfall on them, then that person's title will go to the person who pinned them. If Matt Riddle pins Roderick Strong or makes him submit, Matt Riddle is the United States champion. If Keith Lee makes Adam Cole submit or pins him keith lee is the nxt champion hang on one second buddy you stay right there okay hey buddy how are you What's this? that's a toy um we have a visitor in the studio hey young man what? you can go up and see mama hey 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 i'm doing something right now i'm working right now but as i was saying if Bobby Fish or Kyle O'Reilly get pinned by, say, Tommaso Ciampa, then Tommaso Ciampa gets to hold on to their NXT Tag Team Championships, and he gets to pick a partner uh, in the future that he will be Tag Team Champions with. That way your titles are on the line, um, and you can do it right. But, uh, yeah, that's the way I think I would do a men's War Games match. I think that's the best way to do it. Um uh, what else from Wednesday? Da, 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 da. Oh, yeah. You know, a couple of uh, AEW notes. I know I don't talk a lot about AEW on here, but, I mean, I'm, I've always been a WWE guy. What can I tell you? 
but I have been liking. You know what I liked about AEW is the presentation of uh, the Dean Am- uh, the John Moxley thing. I like him going into the Tony Khan's office and them shooting from the outside and just getting the audio of it. I thought that was really good. I thought the contract signing was good. You know that that stuff I think is uh, is good. They're finding fresh ways to present stuff on that show, and I think it keeps it very very interesting. Uh, speaking of fresh ways to present people, I think uh, RVD is coming across like a million bucks on Impact. Um, you know, I think uh, Rob Van Dam uh, being the heel and calling out people for using his moves and talking about the competition and everything. I, I think that's awesome. I love what RVD is doing on Impact, um, and I love that Impact is on uh, uh, Tuesday nights now. And NWA Power, too. If you're not watching NWA Power on YouTube, we might do a deep dive on it at some point here on the podcast. It's one of the, uh, you want to see people that are just following their own vision despite what everybody else is doing in the whole world of wrestling? Take a look at, at that. Take a look at NWA Power. It's awesome. Oh, and before we completely move on from uh, uh, NXT, well, I guess this goes into Raw, too. On Raw, we saw kind of a reintroduction, I think, of uh, the Kabuki Warriors. And they're officially, officially, officially heels. Asuka's got the green makeup on. She's doing the mist. I love the attention that's getting paid to the Kabuki Warriors. I love that the story's being built around them. People are like, what, they're just heels just because? Look, they weren't doing anything. They're, it's, like, it's like Shorty G. Like, everybody's like, oh, now Shorty G, they're killing Chad Gable. Killing from what? They weren't doing anything with Chad Gable. Nothing was happening. So if you're sitting there going like, oh, well, there's there's no explanation as to why the Kabuki Warriors are heels all of a sudden. There was no explanation to why the Kabuki Warriors were the Kabuki Warriors. There was no explanation to why they were a team. There was no explanation to why they were hanging out with Paige. There was no explanation to why they weren't even on television. So the fact that they're on television right now, it's a win. And when you go out there, what does Titus O'Neil say? Make it a win. And they did, and they do, and it's compelling, and I enjoy all these Kabuki Warriors segments. I loved seeing them turn on Paige on Raw. I thought that was really well done, and I think it frees them up. Uh, I really like Kaidi Sane's new look. I like that they just tweaked Asuka a little bit, and Kaidi Sane has dropped the cutesy pie sailor thing, although, literally, it's so funny. On Monday, Monday, Mattel, for the first time, shows photos of the new elite Kaidi Sane action figure. And she's in her whole sailor gear. She's got her coat and her hat and her steering wheel and her telescope and the whole thing. It's like a crazy detailed action figure. And hours after that action figure is announced, she shows up on Raw. She's not doing the sailor gimmick anymore. (laughs) So funny. Um, I think they should either, you know, at first I was like, well, they should just use Asuka's music. Because using the nautical-themed Kaidi Sane music makes absolutely no sense anymore because she doesn't do the sailor stuff anymore. So the music where there's a mashup between the two, that should be scrapped immediately because Kaidi Sane's old music should be scrapped immediately. I think they should use that baby metal song that they were playing uh, when they were kind of explaining who they were, the package on NXT. I think that's what they should be playing. I love seeing Asuka and Kaidi Sane in NXT again, just completely different. I thought it was really cool. Um yeah, I think that they should redo... I think they should maybe use that Baby Metal song as their theme. If not, just use Asuka's theme. Because the other one, the nautical stuff doesn't make sense anymore. Um, what else? Oh, yeah, and I also think that that they would probably be a good fit for a takeover 
you know, I know you got all the women in your in your war games match, but I think bringing in Kaidi Sane and Asuka for a, a tag team title defense at a takeover be huge. Give them 25 minutes to just tear the house down. I think it'd be massive. Um, and finally, I guess, you know, coming off of this, so much of what happened on Raw has kind of been updated since it happened a little bit, you know, good matches and everything. But, uh, you know, the Rusev, Lashley, Lana storyline is the story of Raw right now. They saved it for the uh, closing moment, the closing segment of Raw. Um, here's the thing. I don't understand why Rusev was so happy at Crown Jewel. He's like, oh, this is so great. I'm on Team Hogan. I'm like, yeah, and your wife is sleeping with Bobby Lashley and he kicked you in the balls on television. How could you be smiling now just because you can flex with Hulk Hogan? That's why your wife left you, because you care more about flexing with Hulk Hogan than you do with the fact that even though you beat a guy, your team beat a guy, you didn't even beat him, your wife is still having sex with him. It's crazy. So I don't know what Rusev is so happy about on Crown Jewel, because he was humiliated on Raw. And I'm telling you, man, like, I hope, you Rusev fans, you're going to be in for a rude awakening. It is really going to hurt when the you-know-what hits the fan. The match finally happens. It's Bobby Lashley versus Rusev. Rusev, it, there were some moments on Raw when he started hitting Lashley and he started really laying into him that I was into it. I was like, that's cool, man. I like that. But, dude, I think I think this whole story is just, is just going to end up as a, a launching pad for Bobby Lashley. I think this is just something to give Bobby Lashley that can be momentum for whatever the next thing is for him. But ultimately, I think he's going to just destroy Rusev on his way up. I don't think Rusev's ever going to get revenge for any of this. Um, I don't think he's going to beat Bobby Lashley. Why would he? Who would you invest in? You know, I, I don't think this ends well for Rusev as a character. Right? I don't see how it does. And it's a shame, but I'm here to watch. It's so weird and so odd. I'm here to watch. Thank you all for being a part of Not Sam Wrestling again. Thursday, Not Sam Thursday. Don't forget every single Monday, every single Thursday, Not Sam Wrestling drops for free. Subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts, subscribe. Make sure you go to that Instagram profile. Oh, I told you I was going to answer questions. Let me go to the Gmail real quick. Um, in the meantime, make sure that you go to uh, the Not Sam Instagram account and click the link in my profile so you can uh, you can go to the new YouTube page. Oh, boy, we have a lot of emails. Um, oh, some of these are just subscribes. Uh, okay, let's go to... Uh, oh, geez, that's a lot of them. Uh, all right, we're just going to start with... Uh, hey, it's from Harold. Hey, Sam. Wondering what you think about implementing a title that is only defended on the WWE Network. It could be used similar fashion to the TV titles of old. Thoughts? I mean, uh, I think that you've kind of... Well, I guess the Cruiserweight title is now defended on NXT. You don't have enough shows on the network that you would only defend it on the network. And it costs money for them to go live. You know, I think, in essence, you're talking about the 24-7 championship. But that can also be defended on Raw. I just don't, I don't think there's enough on the network to make a title like that. You know, I would sooner make a social media title, like a YouTube championship, than I would make a network championship, but there's just not there's not any, any YouTube shows either. 
this one is from Corey. And by the way, the email is notsamwrestling at gmail.com. I may not get to all of these today, but as I go, I'll just go. So notsamwrestling at gmail.com. Send all your questions there. We'll do this every week. Sam, uh, did you notice... It sure sounded like to me that the funeral song Ramblin' Rabbit, Ramblin Rabbit had like the Undertaker theme music from the 90s. Regardless of this terrible booking with Seth, and hopefully they go all in at Crown Jewel, which they did, could we see the Taker show up and attack the Fiend? Where do you see the Fiend going from here, and do you think his character can be salvaged with his poor showing lately? Yes. I mean, clearly the Fiend's character was salvaged. I don't think it was ever in that much danger, to tell you the truth. Um... I don't think that was The Undertaker's music. I think he just came out to a funeral dirge. And I don't think The Undertaker would come out and attack The Fiend. I think it would be the reverse. Uh, Big fan of the show from the UK. This is from Sean. I'm of the opinion that Bray Wyatt has to get the title soon, if not at Crown Jewel. Uh, Yeah, it looks like we got that. Um, Funhouse Bray appears to stay in person carrying the title belt weekly or biweekly appearances from The Fiend with the belt or Ramblin' Rabbit. How would it be presented on television? Um... That's a good question. It'll be interesting tomorrow on SmackDown to see if the if Bray Wyatt, who's on Miz TV, comes out with the title. I think maybe the title becomes a prop piece on the Firefly Funhouse, and The Fiend is really the one that carries it. Um, let's see. Hey, Sam, what's the haps? Da-da-da-da-da. Uh, I truly disagree with you that they should just forego this year's game as far as 2K goes and not fix it. Okay. Uh, universe mode. Okay, a lot of this is that's from Pele. Uh, Christopher says, uh, "Oh, it's just a thank you. I use your interview with Sergeant Slaughter as a source in a research paper." Oh, it's very very nice. Uh, Christopher David says, uh, "What do you think about uh, God leaving New Japan in January and teaming up with Finn Balor and NXT? My future is my past. Also, this Kofi might be getting positioned to win the Royal Rumble in 2020." I'm going to leave it there for the questions. I'll get to the rest of them uh, next week. Uh, But I will say that Kofi should not win the Royal Rumble in 2020 because uh, he should be a bad guy. Um, And as far as Finn Balor, you know, at this point, I don't think you need to build a faction around Finn Balor. Anybody that thinks they should bring the OC in to NXT is crazy. Um, I think Finn Balor is doing just fine on his own. Thank you all for being a part of this week's Thursday, Not Sam Thursday. We'll see you next week. Happy Halloween. Goodbye, everybody. Uh, It's been real. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam Wrestling.